tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Everybody, welcome to the Love Hour podcast. I am your host, Miss Kev on stage, and I am the Kev on stage. And today we are continuing with our infertility series that I started for the month of July. Uh, last week we had Dr. Lori Johnson on. She is a mental health coach for couples that are going through a fraternity fraternity a fertility journey really great episodes really really important to consider and to think about your mental health as you're going through this journey one of the things i thought was really 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 important not just it was not just to get experts on but to actually hear real life stories from real life people okay so today we are joined by rachel and terrence james uh i talked to rachel I don't know, maybe a month ago. Yes. Uh, and it was, listen, we were on the phone for about an hour and a half and I was like, ma'am, listen, <laughs> listen, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, they have she such was, she a, was dehydrated. A list. She was. I was just like the cartoon character with just tears coming out of the, both sides of their <laughs> eyes. That's how I was. Uh, they have an amazing story. And so what we're going to do today, I will allow you guys to introduce yourselves, tell us who you guys are, maybe a little bit about your love story, and then we'll dive right into your, or as that leads into your own fertility story. And um, I'll pretty much let you guys lead. Like I said, I'll take some breaks in between, but outside of that, I really want to give you guys the floor and the space to kind of share your story. Okay. Well, I'm Rachel. All right, I'm Terrence James. We've been married for, it'll be 13 years this year. Wow. wow. Congratulations. When's your anniversary? Yeah, thank you. Um, we met, honestly, <laughs> we're going to tell the truth, truth. Okay. So we went to college together at Morris Brown. That's where we physically met. Okay. Face to face. But we uh, later on realized we met on Black Planet when we were like, 14. (laughs) Black Planet, we need you back. We need you back. (laughs) So we were, you know, Black Planet flirting, and then we just kind of lost touch. You know, you're kids. You don't really. Yeah. We got to Morris Brown, and I don't know. Was was it Love at First Sight? Love at First Sight. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Whatever. But um, we were, um, he was pledging a music fraternity and I was in a sorority and someone grouped us together to sing a song. And we had never met, never heard each other sing. Um, he was in the middle of pledging, couldn't talk to me. So he couldn't talk to me, he couldn't look at me. So I'm sitting here having a conversation with him and he's just like, Oops. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the is going on? Such a haze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I just put my number in his phone. I was like, well, you're going to call me, so here. And then he called me that night. He wasn't supposed to, but he called me that night. We talked for hours, hours, hours. 
till the sun came up, actually. Wow. And ever since then, it's just been his. This is where we are. Here we are. That's where we are. So, um, we got married in 2007. I was on the road as a vocal producer and background singer, and um, he works with special needs. So, you know, we were just always on opposite ends of the earth. <laughs> a lot of times, four times out of the week, I was traveling. I was gone. Wow. So um, when we first got married, it was cool. You know, we were just fresh, in love, not really focused on having kids yet. We knew we wanted them, but we were mm -hmm. just going to let it happen naturally. Mm -hmm. And so a um, couple years passed and nothing. But still, it wasn't like something's wrong. It was right. just like, okay, it's just taking longer. It's probably because I'm on the road. I need to kind of slow down, but I don't want to. But I just happened to go to the doctor and I was like, hey, you know, we're not really trying, trying, but we're not preventing. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh, just keep on trying. You know, you're young. We got married at like 23, 24. They were like, you're young, you know, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. So 2009 rolls around and nothing. So then time goes on. I go back to the doctor. I said, hey, something's not right. Mm -hmm. I just feel like something's not right. Can you? So by the time it's like six years had lapsed. Well, okay. At this point, this is probably about year three. Okay. Year three. And the doctor gave me something called Clomid. Okay. So he was like, okay, you're probably not ovulating. Um, so here, just take this. Got it. And so I took Clomid for about, what about six cycles? Yeah. About a half a year. Okay. Still on the road, not really focused on getting pregnant, but I took it. We're trying on our own, nothing. So then a few more years pass. We're just like trying to just wing it. Like, okay, it's going to happen. We have faith. Yeah. You know, it's going to yeah. happen. Okay. Uh, we come to what, about 2011? Yes. Now, this whole time, I'm like, I'm telling Terrence, I said, Terrence, maybe you should get checked out too, because, you know, just so we can try and figure out what yeah. he's like, uh uh. Yeah. You know, he's like, no, I don't want to, like. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole concept of uh, infertility uh, didn't even register. So uh, just thinking it'll happen uh, when, it, when it happens. Uh, that's mm -hmm. my, my perspective that entire time. Uh, but finally, uh, around 2011, I do go to a urologist. And this is my first visit ever to a urologist. And it's discovered that I have something called varicocele. Okay. And basically, it's it's similar to varicose veins, but this this is a varicocele is in the scrotum where there there are enlarged veins, and what it does it it causes a lower sperm count. Okay. Um, so this this doctor he basically says uh, after seeing this, okay, you guys are never going to have kids. Uh, you just Need, you might as well just look into adoption. He told us not to, happen. to our face, like, oh, oh my God. we're never going to have kids. I was devastated. Like, I was going to oh. say, can I ask this question? One of the, I was listening on NPR just recently, and the literally the title of the episode is like, The Importance of Black Doctors. Mm -hmm. Why it's important for your doctor to look like you. They're more likely to have empathy and sympathy mm -hmm. and like, um, you're also more likely to take their advice on doing things that are um, uh, more preventative for your health than a doctor yes. that looks like you. So I say all of that to say, was this a doctor that looked like you? Not at all. No. 
<laughs> Not at all. I mean, I could just imagine the crushing spirit that comes with hearing that news. I was completely crushed, but Terrence, so he's a different type of guy. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear stuff like that, it just ruins me. Mm-hmm. Like I was done, I was in tears, bawling. Mm-hmm. He told the doctor. Yeah, I told him like, I don't accept that at all. He's like, no, wow. whatever. And I'm sitting here like, but he just said, <laughs> like I was going in. Didn't you hear him, Terrence? Is you a doctor, Terrence? Is you, are you a musician? What's more for special needs? You ain't no doctor. Why'd you tell me when we was on Black Planet? Listen, I Where is Black Planet? Okay. <laughs> you can't do this to me. Woo. Yeah, I mean, he told him straight up. He was like, we do not accept that. I remember walking I out of there. He it right now. He did it just like that. You're never going to have kids. Exactly. Like, do not accept that. He said, I do not accept it. But I walked out of there. I remember calling one of my close friends, and I was just screaming on the phone. The doctor said, we're going to have kids. I mean, I was just delirious at that point. It it was just devastating. So um, we went home. Of course, you know, we had a conversation. He called me down. He was like, look, we're not accepting that. We're going to do whatever we need to do to make this happen. You know, it's going to happen. It's just in God's time, you know. We're just going to do this on our own. We don't, at that point, we, you know, we were like, we're not going back to that doctor. Because, yes, right. Mm. He was just so negative. Just right. so negative. So, um, a couple of years have passed. By this time, I think I had been going to maybe about two or three gynecologists. Okay. They didn't look like me, of course. Mm-hmm. So, they're all just prescribing all kind of stuff. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. So, I'm just like, okay, let me just... Do, do my due diligence mm-hmm. and just, okay, follow instructions. Let me take these meds and see if it works. Nothing. So I say about 2013, um, did, was that when you went to see another? Okay, let me uh, rewind. I'm sorry. So when he got the results back from the first urologist, mm-hmm. his count was like 2 million. And the average is at minimum 60 million. So he was already. Oh, like, hold on, time out. Let's make sure we all heard two million. Because I'm like, girl, two. That's a lot. That's you a lot, right? Two million. <laughs> two million of anything is quite a. That's a quite mm-hmm. a lot. But you're saying the average generally is at six zero sixty. Six zero sixty million minimum, and that's the that's the minimum, like the low end of average. So wow. we were like two million. This is. I almost started to believe the doctor. Like oh, we're never going to have kids. Right. Like, and so we, we even started, I was like, hey, you know, maybe we should start looking into adoption, maybe. In my mind, like, I was already, this won't happen. Yeah, he had right. got me. So let's just go through. It, I wonder what the, or maybe you can speak to, um, I'm sure there's almost a grieving process of, okay, I have to let go of this, what I wanted, and start looking at alternatives. I'm sure that is a, an emotional process in, in and of Oh, itself. definitely. Um, because... I was I was there. Right. I wouldn't say I had totally released having my own in the back of my mind. I I just felt like it would happen, but just I was just like, mm, it's not gonna happen when I want it to happen. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. you know, let's look into adoption. I was I was definitely pressing adoption on him. He was like, we we're gonna adopt, yes, but let's just wait and just give it time and and let's do what we need to do to you know. 
make sure we're clear on our ends. So between, I say, 2013, 2016, we were getting tests, all kind of tests done, blood work, panels. Um, I ended up going, I found a black doctor and she um, found out I had fibroids. Mm. I had like seven fibroids just chilling. Wait, wait, wait. By this time, how many years into this journey are you? Okay, so 2007, we have May, six, seven years, six or seven years at this point. Okay, so six or seven years you're into this journey, and this is the first doctor that's recognized that you've had fibroids? Yes. No, the uh, previous doctor had done any... T Not at all. Not at all. And so I'm just like, okay, well, whatever we need to do, let's fix it. Right. So I ended up, this 2014, I ended up having a surgery called hysteroscopy, where they went in and they lasered everything out. And so they were like, okay, we got it all out. Let's let you heal for about four to six months. And then we're going to dive in and go again. So um, that was about mid-2014. So top of 2015, we were like, okay, we're going to try again on our own. Um, they said, we're going to give you six months to do that. So now all of this is, they tell you, if you're 35 and under, mm -hmm. then it's going to take a healthy couple a year to success, successfully conceive. Mm -hmm. If you're over 35, six months. It should take you six months. If not, then you need to go see uh, what they call a reproductive endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. So we were under, I was under 35. I think I was about 33. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to give you six months since you'd already been trying all these other years. You know, go back on these meds. You've had the hysteroscopy. You should be good. Six months, we kept trying, nothing. Um, during this time, we found another urologist. And um, I think he did some more tests. Yes. And he was like, okay, we can, this isn't as bad as, as you think it is. We can, we can fix this. We can try and get your numbers up. So he um, gave him some meds. He started on Clomid at that point. And we saw a tremendous boost. So we were like, okay, so now Terrence is in the clear. Let's work on Rachel. So I went back to the doctor, more fibroids. After the first surgery. After the first surgery. Okay, so hold on. Let's pause right here because I think now is a really great time to take a break before we hear what happens after they find more fibroids. All right, you guys, we just took a break because I want to tell you about Noom. Listen, y'all already know what a new it is. We are in quarantine. We're all talking about the quarantine 15 that's very similar to the freshman 15 in which you ain't doing nothing but sitting at home and eating all day. I actually just told Kevin today, it's time. We are not getting out of quarantine anytime soon. We need to get up. We need to get active. We need to do the things to get our bodies moving, going, and doing because we're just simply, we're in the house. We're not doing the things we used to be. We're not commuting. We're not traveling. We're just in the house. And um, movement begets movement and laziness begets laziness. So somebody got to do something different to get something different. And so I want to encourage you to get into shape with new. 
you guys already know Kevin and I use Noom. We did their 30 day fit challenge. We've done that a few different times to get up and get moving. They have um, a 10 minute workout, which is really, really simple. Plug it onto your TV while you're in the living room. Get up, get your heartbeat moving, do the things that you need to do. Noom is a ha habit changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. It's not just that, but they also offer and have fitness, exercise, um, what's the word for those? like videos, just videos. Uh, they also have fitness videos that you can click on to whatever you are interested in, whatever part of your body you want to get in shape, you can concentrate on that through their site. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M.com slash love hour. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash love hour to start your trial today. That's Noon, N-O-O-M.com slash love hour. All right, we're back. Thank you so much to those sponsors. Uh, we're back and we're going to pick up the story where uh, Rachel is talking about the doctor found more fibroids. First of all, can we just take a moment away from like the sequence of events and talk about the emotional and mental tax on you individually and even as a couple going through this journey where you're up, you're down, devastation, hope, fibroids. I never knew about that. Oh, they got four fibroids out. There's hope again. You found more mm -hmm. fibroids. What? Like, can we talk? And then between you and I, if, if uh, I can imagine the strength of Terrence being very um, uh, comforting at times mm -hmm. and other times, like, it's not going to happen. Just like, I can imagine it also being frustrating. So like, oh, talk about that as well. Of course, the, the mental aspect of all this, it's, I think I was an emotional wreck. Mm -hmm. Just from the time we said we were going all in with trying up until, like, even now, I think I'm, I'm just a mess, okay? <laughs> You're talking about then and today. And then, right now. <laughs> no, because it takes such a toll on you because it's like, it's something that you've been wanting Mm -hmm. And, you know, you grow up, you're like, oh, I'm going to get married and we're going to have mm -hmm. kids and we're going to start this family. And then it's not happening the way, you know, it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. That you see it happen for everyone else. Right. Yeah. So, but part of me on the flip side, I'm, I'm very, I'm a go-getter. Mm -hmm. So I don't get defeated too easily. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's going to happen. Okay. Even though I, I feel the way I feel in the moment right now. I'm, I'm a little sad. I'm a little disturbed. I'm angry, but I know it's going to happen. So let me chill. Terrence is, he's the encourager. He's always been that way. That's what made me fall in love with him because he's always positive. Like, you know, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a five and then we're going to reconvene and it's going to be good. And he's always mellowed me out. Like yeah. uh, for me, I, I definitely dealt with um, just, fighting the doubt, but, uh, but um, just, just believing that this was going to happen some way, somehow. Um, and especially once, I know, once I, I saw the second urologist and he's, he's like, okay, he basically disagreed with the first urologist. Yeah. We can get you on some meds and, and we'll get, get back going. And, and once, once we hear that, basically, um, 
just started applying faith in a different way. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we kind of use it. So before all of this, I'm just believing it's going to wait. It's going to happen some way, somehow, like I said, believing that it, it would happen naturally. But at this time, after hearing this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go all in as far as this process and just basically surrender to the process. Right. That's if, good. No, no matter how, if, if it's going to be this route, I'm just going to just apply my faith that way. And, and we're going to be together with that and applying our faith into this process. Right. That's so good. And one of the biggest lessons that even nowadays you start to hear more and more is the importance of getting a second opinion. Mm -hmm. Guys, it literally was the difference in having a beautiful baby today and not was a second opinion. So, that's I mean, right. that's, it, there's that'll, no hey, other lesson that'll preach. Yes. God of the second opinion. Yes. The first opinion was man, but the, hey, I'm shot. the second opinion was God. Come on here. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> it's so important because had you just listened to the first doctor and sat in his opinion, essentially, you know, you wouldn't have got the second opinion. You wouldn't have been put on, I think you said Clomid, everything, you know, it wouldn't have allowed for what transpired after. So definitely exactly. one of the hugest takeaways is to all, and you even got two, three and four opinions even after that. So it's mm -hmm. so important to get that second opinion for sure. Definitely. Mm -hmm. definitely. So um, I guess going back to the fibroids, um, they found them again. Yeah. And so this is, they scheduled the surgery. We did like top of 2016. I had a, my second hysteroscopy. Cleared everything out. Oh, you're good now. But at this time, I had um, transitioned to a new doctor. I found an African-American doctor. Mm -hmm. She's, I call her my best friend, Dr. Natu Mbaga here in um, Atlanta. I told her we go together because she's been up in my stuff more than, almost more than my husband. <laughs> we go together, doctor. Rachel. Okay. Oh. Why won't you be better? <laughs> Between you and Terrence, we in an entanglement. <laughs> we in an entanglement? <laughs> Doc, hello. <laughs> and Terrence approves. Okay. Approved, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he gave his blessing. entanglement with your with your doctor if you don't exactly. have that sort of relationship with them and you can mm -hmm. trust them and you also um and they trust you there's a sense of safety and security and comfort yes. exactly you probably should find a new doctor exactly and special especially dealing with something as sensitive as infertility you need someone with amazing bedside manner first of all Mm -hmm. because they have to know how to handle you like you have to handle Rachel a certain way because I'm sensitive exactly you said this and I feel like you know it's almost how we are we're socialized you know I am a girl I'm gonna grow up and my, meet a man we're gonna get married and have children and that's never even like a that's never an obstacle that is like the right. natural progression of things. So exactly. when that's not happening, that's, wait, that's supposed to happen. Right, 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 right. Where's I'm my fairy tale? Where's my fairy tale? Like, and that I can imagine, you know, and both of you, you know, Terrence, I'm supposed to be a man. I'll take care of my daughter or my son. And now like, there's a part of it that I can imagine of like, life is not going the way it's I supposed imagine. to. And even if it's going well career-wise and all this other stuff, like I can imagine that piece 
being something that makes it feel like well everything's just not fitting perfectly you know what i mean like i can imagine you you know feeling like my life is not the way i wanted because this has oh, a of course this i definitely dealt with inadequacy like i don't feel yeah. adequate as a woman right and then there's so much shame and guilt that comes along with that and so i'm carrying that trying to conceive so that's also that's yeah. contributing you yeah. know to us not being able to conceive and it's like i, I love my career like right. i feel like i've been successful at it and i'm just like i was questioning god like god you allowed me to experience so much in my career yeah. i've accomplished so much i you know i feel like i'm at the top of my game in my career mm -hmm. but this one thing i cannot reach this one goal I set for myself, I cannot reach. Why? Like, that just, every time I think about it, I, I, I'm, I almost burst into tears. I'll be trying to pull it together. I'm like, emotional walls, Rachel. Pull it together. My eyes are welling because I, I, I can hear that. Yes, yeah, like, okay, I, I can do everything else. I can't do this. Man. So. And not just that I can't do it on my, like, God, I need you to show I up. I need you. I need you to show up for me. And I've been, yes. been on this journey for however long at the point in time, and I feel like you're not. And that's, I'm getting emotional even talking about it because that's an earnest prayer. Absolutely. Yes. That's an earnest Absolutely. prayer. Absolutely. So I end up having the second surgery, they clear it out. And um, at this point, my doctor is saying, okay, you need to see um, another RE at this point. Uh, just so we can see where we can go because we got you cleared up. Terrence is fine now. Let's go on in. So we end up going to a, um, one of the facilities. Tell us what an RE is. Uh, uh, RE. On the last episode, but in case someone missed it. Yes, reproductive endocrinologist. They specialize in infertility. Mm -hmm. So we went, we found an RE that we liked. This is now, I'm going to say this we went to five clinics. We went through five different doctors because I said, I'm not just letting anybody yes. just, mm -mm. Well, we got to connect. experience with the bad. So you know exactly. that to just, hi, I'm so-and-so, you're my doctor now. No, 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 yeah. this is a job application. I'm right. taking exactly. care of this. Right. Interviews, all this, we're vetting all of you. Yeah, yeah for sure. So we um, found one that we liked and they were like, okay, we're gonna, they called us, at that point, because nothing was really wrong, they, we were fixed in their eyes. So they call it unexplained infertility. So where there's not like a focal point for a male or a female. Mm. So um, I think you went and you did another analysis at this point and it, it gotten better, but once you're on Clomid so long as a male, it starts decreasing your numbers. So we started to see a decline. Got oh, it. Got it. Yeah, so we're talking since beginning the, the Clomid, uh, it's probably been a year at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, it initially brought the numbers up to like crazy, like 100, 100 million, and then it, it was a slow decline. So, was that decline normal or back below normal? Back no. below, it was like six. Yeah, we, it was a, a very. <laughs> it dropped from 100 million to six. So, did they tell you before that this is happening or is this new information? So the second urologist, he, he said eventually it will decrease. So we, we felt we had a, a, a window to get pregnant during that time. Mm -hmm. And then that time passed. And now we're up to where, where she's speaking about seeing. Oh, okay. So this is basically happening at the time 
uh, Rachel, when you go back and find out there's more, this is happening during this window where you thought it, it was supposed to, you know, the plans were supposed to align. Right, exactly. Okay, okay. understood. So, um, let me see, I guess about six months after the second hysteroscopy, um, we're seeing the new RE and I'm trying to make sure I get these details together. Oh, so she started explaining to us, you know, the different options that we could go with. Um, since it's not happening naturally, you have IVF, you have IUI, you have um, ICSI, ICSI, it's so many different ones that they have. So we were like, we had already talked about IVF, but we didn't know fully like what it meant. Sure. So they explained that. We did a consultation for that. And so then I was just like, you know, what is an IUI? And they were like, well, intrauterine insemination where we would take his sperm and just insert it in your uterus just to kind of help give it a head start, like boost the semen. So I was like, okay, I think we, let's try that because it's less evasive. It's not as expensive. IVF, they were like, we want 30,000 before we start anything. And we were like, dollars? That's the other thing is that this becomes, if you're on an infertility journey, it becomes an economic thing. Yes. Not everyone can afford $30,000 treatment. I did not know it would cost that much. Yeah. That's, I would say that's on the low end <laughs> because that's just the procedure with the doctors and maybe a few tests. You still have to get meds. Oh. You have to get your ultrasounds. You have to get all kinds. It's, it's pricey. And it's typically covered by insurance? Most, I would say 95% of insurance do not cover. And so this literally becomes an issue of economics. Yes. Can I afford to have a child? Can I afford to have a child? And then you know what? If you have a child, then a child's also expensive. Yes. <laughs> Having a child. So it's like, it. mm -hmm. and yeah. that, like, even I know, like, you, you that that is just for both of you. There's so much stress yeah, and like it just layers of layers and like, man, this is really. Like, I can imagine you being exasperated with oh, this process. But we're still, at this point, we're still, we, I don't know, something is pushing us. We like, we just gotta. Yeah. That speaks to the foundation of your marriage. Yes. Like you're not crumbling under your marriage, your relationship isn't crumbling mm -hmm. under the stress. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's like, I didn't piss you off today. You didn't ah. me off today. It's right. like these outside things that are right. happening, but I don't know how to detach from it. So right. now I'm just angry at you. Exactly. I'm telling on myself because that's how I Look, I feel you because we definitely have had those moments. Um, I think it started becoming, because they were like, okay, you need to time your, um, when you're going to have sex, this is when right. you need to have it. And so it started becoming a chore. Right. Uh, listen. That is a lot, guys. I mean, it is, is a, a lot. You know, we, Melissa and I were we, in our, not travels, but in the love hour, we talked about like calendaring sex. Like in mm -hmm. even that, we talked about on the love hour tour about how media makes you feel like if you're not having spontaneous sex, it's not real sex. It's not good right. sex, right? So just to say, hey, we're going to have sex on Tuesday, right? But to say Tuesday at 730 like that's a lot guys it's, it's a lot and i think it became 
an issue uh, in our marriage, definitely. Yeah. Where we were, we were fighting. Like we were like, "Look, it's time. We gotta do it right now." Right. Pretty much. And he's like, yeah, "It takes the enjoyment out of it. It does. It's no longer about pleasure. <laughs> it's not. And it wasn't. And we, I, I think we both can honestly say, at that point, we weren't enjoying it. We were just trying to get the job done. Yeah. Right. Let's take a quick break before we hear the rest of this. All right, we just took another break to hear a word from our sponsors. We want to tell you about, I don't have to tell you about Third Love, y'all. Y'all already know how much I love Third Love. Literally, I have a Third Love bra on right now, and I bought, brought a strapless uh, Third Love bra with me today because let me just give you guys one story really quickly. When you are melanated and you have a white top on and you don't want your bra to show through, the trick is not to wear a black bra because the contrast between the white and the black and your skin tone is what makes the bra show. So you want something that's closer to your new your skin tone in order to camouflage. Nude is not a color. So finding a bra color that matches my nude is very difficult to do. However, Third Love has it. That's the bra that I packed because I will be wearing a white shirt and I want to look as snatched as possible. They're great because they have 80 bra sizes. They have their signature half sizes. Plus you can do a, they are backed by their perfect fit promise. Basically says, if you don't love it within 60 days, you can return it and it's always free. You go on their website, you take their fit finder quiz, answer a few questions and voila, they tell you what they recommend your bra to be. Their love knows is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash love hour to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash love hour for 15% off today. And I've received several testimonials from our listeners who have loved third love and um have come back and black like, melissa you was right because i ain't gonna steer you wrong also really quick want to tell you about raycon listen whether you're working from home working out or whatever you want to make sure what you're listening to is what you're listening to not what your kids your neighbors your dog listening to you want to have crystal clear sound and you can do that with Raycon earbuds. They start about half the price of any other premium wireless earbud on the market. And just so you know, they sound as amazing as those same brands. I love them mainly for their sound quality and their price point. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. You've heard me talk about the companies founded by Ray J, but also Cardi B listens to them. Cardi B listens with them. I love Cardi B. Who doesn't I love Cardi. If it's Cardi B approved, it's Melissa approved. It's Melissa approved. Right now to get the latest, greatest from Raycon, get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash love hour. Love hour. That's buyraycon.com slash love hour for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash love hour. So we're back. Thank you to the sponsors of the show. And thank you guys for supporting the sponsors. It really uh, means a lot. And it allows us to have guests like this. Um, so how did you get back to each other through this process? Because I can imagine it's difficult to be I mean, intimate or sexually intimate 
and this frustrated uh, with each other and this process? It definitely was a journey. Yeah. Ooh, I, I think it was a, honestly a few years, if yeah. I can be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, just thinking about it in uh, cycles, uh, it was like when we knew it, it's time to have, it's time for us to have this, this window uh, where we got to get it in. Uh, that, it, like you've been saying, it, it's, it became a chore. Yeah. Um, so that's what it was up, in, up until, uh, until we were successful. Right, right. It was a strain on you too, I think. Yes, it, it was a strain. And as far as it being a chore, if I can be straight up, it, it started to impact performance. Like if I, if I know I got at 11 o'clock uh, or whatever, I gotta, we gotta get Make this in, mm -hmm. no matter how we feeling or whatever, didn't always work, and then that would cause oh. a fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, because now, well, this is the thing that's kind of being said that's not said. Um, not only is sex, um, it's supposed to be about pleasure. I mean, reproduction is obviously there as well. Mm -hmm. but it's also about pleasure. There's anticipation. There's romance. There's flirtation. There's mm -hmm. all of these things that go into it. And when it's stripped, when when sex is stripped down to just reproduction, yeah. it makes it hard to get excited about it. I feel like it be, I imagine it being very mechanical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We tried to um, implement different things to to make it romantic, but um, I know <laughs> for me, in the back of my mind, it's okay. You got to get this done. Yeah, right. and that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's not just like, "Ooh, we're having a good time. This is pleasure. Whatever mm -hmm. happens, it's like I have a goal in mind." Mm -hmm. And I need it to be accomplished. This is about one objective. And so it takes away. And so, I mean, I think this is a really transparent conversation for any couple that's um, going through this journey. Part of the reason I had Dr. Johnson on last week is because we recognize, she recognizes um, that this is part of the process. This is a stress that couples will endure. And so going to a counselor, a therapist or whatever, even sometimes, I don't know if you guys did this, even taking a break, let's stop treatments. Let's stop all of this and to reconnect with each other on a physical level, on an emotional level, on a sexual level, that isn't always about the objective. That might be something that, I don't know if you guys did it or maybe even something that you would advise couples to do so they don't get so consumed with the final outcome. Yeah, we definitely took a break. Um, I would say like, like six months after the, the last surgery, um, after we saw the uh, RE, we were like, okay, we need to take a breather. Yeah. So um, we didn't really fully dive in until end of 2007, 17, I'm sorry. So we ended up going back and we were, at that point, they had explained to us the different options and we had decided to go with IUI. Um, so we were like, okay, we want to do the IUI. We, I had to take all kinds of meds, prior to you know for prep mm -hmm. for the actual procedure and i remember i was on the road i was on tour with an artist and i was preparing for an iui the following month wow. i was on meds i y'all i left in the middle of the night of that tour and came home because mentally i was just Not i was gone i was gonna kill everybody on the tour bus that's how like i was gone 
Because it affects your moods, right? Because your hormones are all out of whack. All out of whack. They were all over the place. I was like, I got to get out of here for y'all's sake. Right. So I came home. I was in tears. I was like, babe, I can't do it anymore. Like, he was like, chill. He had already been telling me to come off the road anyway. And I was like, I I was feeling like if I came off the road, I would be forgotten. Mm. So that was another reason why I was still working so much. A feeling I know well. Look, and yeah, I was we're like trying to take a little reprieve from our life after the conference. And I, Melissa's like, Can you not shoot any videos? And I like, but the people, people and you see, yeah, I you get it for days. All the years of work I have done will be forgotten mm-hmm. for a moment. So I get that. Like, and and in the in the the music industry, Ugh. it's it's so much um reputation and yes rumor so like hey man exactly. we Rachel she she quit in the middle of a tour like and at that point I did not care yeah right I still don't care okay <laughs> FYI just, we're, just so we're all clear so we're clear I still don't care no <laughs> Rachel okay but uh, I had to do it for just for for my mental health for yes. his like yeah. Just so we're on the same page. Right. Once I did that, we got together. We, I don't know, we connected on a whole other level. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not worried about the road and my obligations there. We're focused on this goal. Yeah. And we're all in. So we had our first IUI November of 2017. Unsuccessful. When I say it was just death, like we knew it was gonna work. We were like, this is gonna work, you know. The doctors was like, oh, y'all are great candidates for this. Because, you know, there's no one of you, because every, everything's looking good on paper. Nothing happened. Negative test after the IUI. I, I we were devastated because it was just like, this is the end. Yeah, very deflating. Um, yeah, it was very this, deflating. This is the first time that we have gone to this level or to, to right. business or to accomplish what we were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, so after that, our understanding, you have to pay for that whether it's successful or not, right? Correct. Oh, of course. And IUIs, they're not the same price as IVF, but they're expensive and it's not covered. And you they just, cover diagnostics. So your income is, is down at least from oh, what you used to. Definitely. Because I had shut the world off. So I was like, I'm not doing anything. So he was carrying us, you know? Yeah. So we, um, top of January, we went back to the doctor. We took a break off in mm-hmm. uh, December. We were like, you know, it's the holiday. We don't want to kind of bring the morale down, yeah. you know? Again, this is every month we, we're having to prep. Mm-hmm. every month so uh, December definitely took that off and let's clear our minds and mm-hmm. then we'll go go for it again yes. yes exactly the exactly. constant preparation so January we went back to our RE and we actually found out that there was a discrepancy on their end as far as blood work um they we looked at our blood work after the fact and they found something that wasn't corrected which causes um, negative pregnancy, pregnancy tests. And so they were like, oh, that's on us. You know, we apologize because there was a, a pill I could have taken to fix that. And 
And so I was like, in my mind, I'm like, that could have been our positive pregnancy. Right. So they refunded us for that one. I was just about to ask you. <laughs> they gave us a refund because I was like, oh, no, this is y'all's fault. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I was going off. But I didn't want to leave them because I was like, okay, I, I was tired at that point. Right. I was like, I didn't want to keep hopping around. Yeah. So they wanted to. But, but that does speak to trying to educate yourself throughout this entire process exactly. which, yeah, uh, sure. because we were at this point um I, I know rachel more more than myself she knew what was going on mm -hmm. every step of the way and just educated me and we were just every time we had any type of consultation we're in there taking notes and asking all kinds of questions because at this point about 10 years of research basically right figuring right. out what's what so and that's how she found the discrepancy yeah i pointed it out actually shut up James. and i said this is elevated why is this number high it's out of the and she was like oh my you're right and i was like okay let me go get my degree <laughs> i'm the vocals and re rachel james is expanding her <laughs> empire good <laughs> For you, I don't. Yeah, think so it's important to advocate for yourself. Yes, yes, and to educate yourself. So educate you yourself. You're advocating for. Exactly. That's good, Rachel. So she was like, "Okay, we want to do one more test, um, another procedure, just to kind of go in and, and and make sure we're covering all the bases." So I had a procedure done in Jan in that January of 2018. Um, it was called HSG. It was the one of the most painful procedures I've ever had and he they wouldn't allow him in there so I'm just in there crying and I'm like we know we know so we got that done and the doctor's like let's go in for another IUI so we're like okay at this point we said we're all in we're just gonna go for it and do all yeah. we can February was it top of no end of January we had another IUI Okay. Top of February, we got a positive pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is the, the first feeling. time you've seen a positive on Yes. A we were like, oh, this is it. Like, we're in there. <laughs> like, thank you, Lord. We were excited. We were telling family and close friends like early because with um, IUIs, you can find out super, super early. I found out probably seven days after. Oh, wow. They're that the procedure. Early. Yes, that early. Wow. And so I was like, okay, we're going to tell family and friends. We told them after about a week or two. So I was about four weeks on and we were excited. Like, we felt complete almost in that sense. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, the journey so, feels full circle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a sense of relief. I know for myself, uh, as soon as we found out, I put away all my meds and like we sure did. To go. Man, we were on so many meds. So we were like, okay, we're done taking them. So we put them up. So at this point, I was considered high risk because I was over 35. And also um, we were using fertility treatment. So at that point, you have to be considered high risk. So we were going in every week for an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So at four weeks, we went in. We're good. Five weeks, we went in. We're good. We're excited. You know, six weeks, I'm sick. I'm just like, oh, but I'm happy. 
seven weeks, we like, okay. Eight weeks, we're good. Nine weeks, we're tracking the 10 week mark. We went in for ultrasound and the doctor was like, hmm. She started measuring stuff. She was like, the um, gestational sac is measuring a couple of weeks behind. And so she just started investigating the pictures and she was like, I don't think this is gonna be a successful pregnancy. Oh and so we're just, I just started, I remember just crying on the table. I was just boo-hooing. I remember Terrence reaching over and just rubbing my shoulder and just rubbing. He didn't have any words. He was just touching me and that was comfort for me. But she was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think this is gonna be a successful pregnancy. Things aren't measuring like they're supposed to. And this was, what, two days before my birthday? Oh. <laughs> yeah. This is just a few days before my birthday and I'm, I'm just feeling defeated. And I'm just like, there's no way we can lose this pregnancy. Mm. You know, we did all of this work. We fought, we this prayed. Far. Yeah. Yes. There's no way. I think a week later, I had a miscarriage. I remember waking up and it was just blood. And I was just like, no way. I started screaming. I was calling his name. I was like, Terrence, Terrence, Terrence. So the doctor, um, I called the doctor and they were like, come on in so we can check you. I went in and there was no heartbeat. Wait, so when you went to the doctor and she said, I don't believe this will be a successful pregnancy, it wasn't that you had miscarried or started No, because there was still a heartbeat. We could see it. Now, at that point, we couldn't hear it, but we could see it. She showed us <laughs> the waves. Like, okay, so here's the heartbeat. What's, this is a mixed bag of emotion happening right now. Oh. This is a bag of, I hear the doctor, but doctors have been wrong. I exactly. thank God. Yeah. I want to have faith. Should I prep myself just in case? I don't want to prep myself because if I prep myself, is that denied? Does that lose the possibility Listen. of this being a success? This is a lot of emotion. Oh, yes. Man. Yeah, kind of to the, the same effect of when the first urologist said you're never going to have kids. Yeah. I know when, when this doctor says um, she starts talking about doubt for this, this first uh, successful um, pregnancy, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is it's not something that you want to hear, but this baby is going to be fine. We, we have been waiting right. this long. This baby's going to be fine. Yeah. So then when we went into get checked and they were like there's no more heartbeat you know i'm sorry it was just crushing yeah. i i of course i just cried i just cried i cried for weeks and weeks and i just cried and they were like well you know we need to um get you in for surgery so you can have a dnc so we can remove everything and take the tissue and test it and all that stuff DNC. and i wasn't ready uh, so i left them hmm? kev said what's a dnc oh dnc is a oh a diu I'm sorry. Like I'm gonna get the and cut cutterage. It's I'm gonna find the term. We're gonna okay. look it up. This is why she DNC. She had all that she looked her terms up. <laughs> yeah. Man, it is freezing mm -hmm. in here. Dilation and curatage. Okay. Okay, and that's where they remove everything. The um the part of your body that was preparing for the pregnancy. Yeah, they'll go into my uterus and remove the baby and the placenta and all of that. They take all that out. And they send it to pathology for testing. 
So at this point, I was like, I don't want to have it because my baby's okay. We're going to hear a heartbeat. So I was like, I don't want to have the surgery. So we left the RE and went back to my gynecologist, the black doctor. Uh And I remember going in her office and just falling in her arms crying. And she was just holding me and holding me and holding me. She was like, okay, let's go get an ultrasound so we can just check and see what's going on. They did an ultrasound and she confirmed that there was no heartbeat. And she was just like, we're, you know, we don't want you to sit with this for too long, but you know, take some time. If you can take a few days to decide what you want to do, because they said you can have the DNC or you can let it happen naturally. So I was like, I want to let it happen naturally. She was, and she gave me a deadline. She was like, well, if it doesn't happen by this time, then we're going to have to have surgery. It didn't happen on its own. So I went in for surgery and they, you know, shipped everything off to pathology. And they were like, you know, it's going to take a while to get the results back to figure out what happened. But, um, you know, we just want you to take some time and figure out, you know, what's going on. At this point, it was April. I had a surgery at the top of April uh, 2018. And <laughs> I remember telling Terrence, I want to keep going. Like, we've had success. We know this works. Let's go in again. He was like, you know, I support you. Whatever you want to do, it's your body. You know, you're going through this physically, so I support you. So that was April, May, we took the time to heal, and we were going back to the doctor, the RE, and we were like, well, how soon can we dive back in? And they were like, well, you can start up next month in June. And I was like, okay, we're going to do it. They put me back on my meds. Um, I started all of that treatment went for my panel and my ultrasounds, and they say, okay, we're ready. Let's do another IUI. We did that IUI six days later, positive pregnancy test. Wow. Wow. And now in my mind, I'm just like, mm, okay, it's whatever. It's positive, but. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. I'm, yeah. I'm happy, but I'm just like, I'm not going to get it up. Yeah. And so at that point, we were in the midst of selling our home. We were like, we need a new beginning. We got to get out of this house. We have been there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. We get out of here. All have all the recipe for stress. <laughs> Buying and selling exactly. a house is another humongous, stressful thing. Yes, it was. It was. Because we actually had tried to sell it when we started our first IUI. And that kind of fell through. So then we were like, OK, we're going to find somebody that's going to sell this home. We found somebody, she sold the home in 11 days. We had to be out the house. We were packing up, like it was stress on top of stress and then going in for an IUI. Oh Lord have mercy. So we did the IUI and we got the pregnancy, positive pregnancy test. Literally the day we closed on our home, I remember it was July 7th, (laughs) I had another miscarriage. Rachel, I I was just like, what? What in the world? This is my second miscarriage. I was like, okay. In my mind, I'm done. But then I'm like, I'm I'm not done. I'm gonna keep going. So the um, we called the doctors, went in for testing, and yeah, my number is something called HCG, with that measures the um, the hormone. Right. Um, and so my numbers were declining. I'm sorry, I didn't get it. The pregnancy hormone. Yes, exactly. And so I had to go back every two days so they can measure that. 
and it was declining. And so that's the indication. It yeah. was, uh, I didn't have to have surgery, but because it dispelled on its own, but I was just like, okay, what are we going to do? We had just moved into this home and I was like, okay, new beginning. Okay. At that time, while I'm miscarrying, his father has a heart attack. Oh. We are just on edge. Yes. We weren't seeing we weren't seeing a therapist or anything. At this point, we were just like, we just need to get this done if this is what we're gonna do. Um, it was just a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and he's catering to my needs, and I he like thank God his father ended up being okay, but it's like so much just loaded, <laughs> loaded, loaded. And we're not able to grieve these two miscarriages right. because we're just diving right back in. Right. So let me see, that's July. We, y'all, we're crazy. We went back and did another one in August and got a positive pregnancy test. Me like, yes, this is I it. I want to hug y'all. I know. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I, you know, following you on social media, you know, rightfully so, you never go into to much detail with that because we're not, you know, close friends. Mm -hmm. But it just lets you know people have no idea what no idea. going through. People mm -hmm. be going through a lot. I mean, me and Liz have our stuff too. Like, mm -hmm. but it's like you never know what people are really going through. And you never know. A lot of stuff. It's a lot. It's life a lot. Life is like on stacking in Uno. It's like draw two. Look, draw, draw, like, two. Uh, draw two. Right? I don't. I don't want to play this four. way. Just yes. Like, yes. I don't want to play this. Uno way. out. I got four hundred cards. Right. <laughs> I have four hundred cards. And so my 400 cards in August turned into 500 in September because I had another miscarriage. And I'm just like, at that point I said, babe, I'm done. Yeah. I said, I am done with this. I'm not, I can't, mentally I can't handle it. Yeah. I can't imagine and you emotionally, for your own mind being like at some it's point. It's a lot of trauma. Yeah. It's a lot of trauma. I said, I can't handle it. Like. And he was like, that's fine. Like, we're done. We're, we're, we're not going to do it. Like, we just, hey, we need to take a, a break if that's what you want to do. Or if you just don't want to do it at all, that's fine too. But we need to chill out because just mentally, physically, my body was jacked yeah. up. Yeah. Like, it was just so much. So that was September. And, uh Took a break. We took, yeah. a, we took a break. Are you can I ask or so what we thought was a break? Can can I ask the question? Do you also feel the pressure of running against time? Oh, of course. Also getting older. Oh, because my RE at this point was telling me, okay, you're 37. Like right. your eggs are diminishing and they're not as vibrant as they were when you were 27. Right. So time basically isn't on your side and so of course that pressure alone yeah. is, okay we gotta get this done. you can't even control the pressure like it's like you can't, even you can't control time you can't control the no. pressure you really can't control any that's why i've been unsubscribing from my emails lately because that's feel like the only thing i can control in my life that's the only thing you can't <laughs> all i can do is unsubscribe from email i have no power over anything else anything else no <laughs> So I don't know. Let me see. September, October. I remember um, waking up one day and I was just like, "Okay, I'm, I think I'm ready." Now this is just a month after. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from. I know you are relentless. Like, if nothing else, I'm, I'm, 
ups and downs. Always ups and downs. So we ended up going to another clinic. And I was, because at this point I was like, we need to do IVF because, um, oh, the RE was telling us, y'all need to test your, um, your embryos, your eggs and stuff, just to see if they're healthy or not. Mm -hmm. um, let me rewind back. We had got the results back from our first miscarriage. Mm -hmm. We got that when I was miscarrying the second time, because we were closing on the house. I remember getting the call from my doctor and she was like, we got the results in. I remember walking out of the closing to talk mm -hmm. to her and she was like, it was trisomy. 13 where it was missing a chromosome it was just she started explaining all the stuff and i was just in tears and i had to get myself back like collect myself to go back in close. to close on this home okay so i'm just like okay i can't deal with this right now so let me compartmentalize like let me put it right here and i'm gonna deal with it later went back in did all that paperwork blah 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 so after we got in the car, I told him that she called and said X, Y, Z. And I was just like, okay, we had to deal with that. Right. So now let me fast forward back to October. We went to a new fertility clinic. We were like, we're going to do IVF because okay. we want to get our embryos tested to make sure we're inserting healthy embryos so we won't have any issues. Y'all, we got all the way in IVF. We were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I think two days before my cycle, was it two? Yeah, I think two or three yeah. days before my cycle, I said, we're not doing this. You're not doing IVF. We're not doing IVF. I said, I don't, I, I have a feeling we do not need to do this. So we shut it all down. I said, we need to go back to IUI. He's like, what? Like, we're here. Like, we've invested. Like, we're mentally ready to do this. Yeah. I said, I, we're not doing it. We're going to IUI. So I called my RE. I said, we're going to do an IUI. I was like, I'm going to come in the office because my cycle is due soon and we're going to like prepare all this stuff. She was like, okay, come on in. Two days later, we did the IUI. Literally six days later, I got a positive pregnancy test. So at this point though, I'm just like, whatever. I'm not happy. <laughs> Because it's, it's I, I don't believe it's going to be what, so whatever. I'm not happy. We went into the doctor, had our my HCG tested, and my numbers were through the roof. Now, with my previous pregnancies, they were always under 30, which is bad, mm. all bad. My first one was like 147. And they were like, okay, this is good. We just need you to come back. I had to go every two days for two weeks to get blood drawn so they can test it to make sure the numbers were developing like they should. So I was going in, they were stabbing me. Y'all, whatever times we were going, <laughs> remember that lady took my blood? Yes. She took my blood, I don't know what, she did something wrong and it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre up in their office. Y'all, it was blood everywhere. I was about to pass out. Terrence was about to pass out. She was like, don't look, don't look. <laughs> she was getting all these swabs and paper towels and I'm just like, y'all, just take my, like, whatever, take it off. <laughs> just hold that for the next two days. Just okay. hold it for the next I ain't going to have enough on Thursday. Y'all don't too so much. Just, it's roller coaster. So we're in the next two weeks. Um, numbers are looking great. Mm -hmm. So then we go in for ultrasound. At this point, we're about seven weeks. We're going for ultrasound. She's like, oh, everything looks 
good. Everything's measuring like it should. We're progressing. We got to the 12 week up on that. We're still going weekly. Mm-hmm. But we get to the 12 week and she's like, oh yes, this is looking amazing. I think this is, I think this is the one. So they release you from RE at 12 weeks? I believe so. At 12 week mark and they send you to your OB. Because yeah. at that point they feel like they've done their job. Yeah. And so they released me to my OB and when I got to my OB, they didn't schedule, let me see, so that was 12 weeks. I didn't get to see my OB until about 15 weeks. Oh. So it's those weeks in between, we are on edge, y'all. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine. I, I listen. I ain't even gonna lie, I was running to urgent care just to hear a heartbeat. Right. Like, I was like, I can't, I, I'm on edge, something, or if I felt something weird, I was going to the ER. Yeah. It was just, we were on edge. Well, I wasn't happy. <laughs> like, I was just going through the motions at this point. Yeah. Like, I couldn't enjoy the that the first, what, 15 weeks of my pregnancy because I was on edge. And then when I went in originally uh, at the 12 week, they found, um, what were they, like sacks of something. And they put me on bed rest. And so they were like, you got to sit down. Like you cannot move. So I'm like, I'm in bed for 14 weeks. Oh my God. Like, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't going to be a successful pregnancy. It's just too much going on. So by the time we got to the 17 week mark, I think I started to breathe. Mm. I was like, okay. You had already seen your OB by this point? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And she was like, look, Rachel, things are looking good. You just got to take it day by day. You know, you relax. Took your first breath almost halfway through the, the 40 thing. Man. Yes. So um at that point, we were like, okay. That's when it, when it kind of turned into, okay, just take it day by day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so then we were discussing if we should share. Because at this point, okay, uh 2018, I remember when we first got pregnant in February and we had the miscarriage in April. I wasn't on social media from any of that time until October. I remember this. Mm-hmm. I was gone. I right? remember. I said, where Rachel James at? I didn't know the answer. <laughs> and so when we came, we were like, okay, dude, is this something we want to share? Because I had started to share my journey at that time when I came back in October because that's Pregnancy Loss um, Awareness Month. And I had shared my story then. So then when we got pregnant in December, I was like, okay, we're not telling anybody ever. Yeah. Y'all, we're going to pop up with a baby. Five years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when March came around, I was like, okay, I want to announce on my birthday. Should we? Is that wise? I'm scared. I don't want to announce and then have to come back and say, this is what happened. But, you know, Terrence was very supportive, of course, and was like, you know, look, whatever happens, you shared your story. You have the support of friends, family, and just even people that don't even know you that knows your story. Like, yeah. it's up to you. So we decided to share on my birthday and it was, it went viral like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so after that, we were breathing. We were like, okay, here we are. And then here comes August and here's Raina. <laughs> <laughs> I just took my first breath. We about an hour in. I said, Jesus. If I didn't know the end from the beginning, I don't know how this story would have turned out. Look, it, it was definitely a journey, but 
if I can say, even with her, I wasn't able to connect with my child, even like the first six weeks. I can be honest and say that because I was dealing with so yeah. much. Yeah. I hadn't had a chance to grieve these previous miscarriages. Like, so when she came, I was in shell shock. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, what? I have a baby now? Mm -hmm. How? Yeah. It Mentally, I just, I was unstable. I was unstable. I was going through, I can even, I don't even mind being transparent, sharing what happened in the hospital. Okay. I remember walking up. Now, I had um developed high blood pressure after I gave birth. So we were in the hospital for about a week, 10 days. Yes. Because... My, they couldn't get my blood pressure down. But on top of that, we're dealing with this new baby and these previous miscarriages. Y'all, I walked out of the hospital in my pajamas, barefoot, just walking. I had lost it. Like, oh my. mentally, I was not good. And I remember all of the nurses, like, looking for me and running up to me. I was like, do you know where you are? And I was like, no. They were like, you just had a baby. And I was like, where's my husband? And I remember seeing him coming down and he was just, he had so much pain in his face. Oh. Postpartum tried to take me out. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I was just going, I was like, I don't know how to deal with any of this. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my OB came in and she started talking to me and she was like, we need to get you to a therapist ASAP. Yeah. She was like, you, you need to, Wait, you, you definitely did the need whole to. process with no therapist? I did with no therapist. Terrence, you ain't go neither? That's correct. Terrence and Rachel James. I know, I wouldn't advise this. Anyway, get you a therapist during the process. Cause it was, it was, and we were carrying all that. Yeah, yes. and, and right. And so if you're carrying it, it means you're not processing it and letting it go. So your mm -hmm. body is holding on to yeah. it. And so you are, you're prepping for the worst, mm -hmm. even though you've brought into the world this beautiful human. Exactly. And your body is like, uh-uh, we've been through this before. Remember? Mm -hmm. you remember? You don't remember that pain? You don't remember that cry? You don't remember that? So mm -hmm. we need to prep ourselves for that. And so... Therapy helps you to process and grieve all of that to allow you the opportunity. So, I mean, amen and good on your OB for recognizing mm -hmm. the need for a therapist to allow you to go through that process yeah. of grief. Yes. Yeah, so I went to therapist for months after, even after she was here, like just dealing with yeah. like, all of that. Right. Just having to deal with it. I didn't feel myself. Huh? What was that? I'm sorry. I was just saying, it's, she's almost like a representative, like a living representative of like 10 years of pain. And yes, 11. 11 years 11 of pain. 11 years of pain. Just unprocessed pain. Unprocessed. Oh, gosh. So I was just unpacking everything. Yeah. Um, and I was saying, I didn't feel myself until this Brandon was born in August. I didn't start to feel normal until... December, wow. December of last year, like it was just, they had me on all kinds of meds. And I was, at first I was like, I'm not taking this. I don't want to take no meds. No, look, whatever, give it to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> whatever I need to balance myself out, fine. And I really had to open myself up to that. Cause I was like, okay, 
This is going to help you. You're de- you have all kind of hormones out of sync right. at this point. Like a chemical, a true chemical imbalance. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And right. Especially when you consider all the medication you've been on for all of these months. All those years. All those years. years. <laughs> right. All of these years. And then your the hormones that your body makes up due to having a baby that are spiked during pregnancy mm-hmm. crash the moment you have a baby. Yes. Like all of those <laughs> yes. things combined. Then you couple that with or layer that with trauma 11 mm-hmm. years of trauma miscarriages the the fortitude to keep going all of those things it's a huge sense of like yeah. yep and i think i could finally breathe yeah in december <laughs> like that was my moment where i was like okay i think at that point i was surrendering to the process yeah. <laughs> it took all of that Right. And so, um, yeah, I remember at the top of January, I was like, oh my God, I feel myself. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mind going out. I would not leave the house. I didn't want to do anything. I would not hold her. It was just a disconnect. It was just so much. Mm-hmm. And now we're definitely to the point, like, I'm just, I'm just grateful for where we are, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Because even though we went through all that we went through, I, okay, can I say this? I, <laughs> you know, people are like, well, you should be grateful. You know, you got a child now, and um, I know you would do it again. <sighs> Honestly, that's a lot of, a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's almost, it's so interesting that once you know what you had to get go through to be where you are, if you knew then what you knew now, you're. I'm not quite sure I would still... And that's honest. And that's, yes. and that's honest. That's because honest. I know I wasn't a good friend during those times. Like I know I wasn't a good wife during those times. Like I was just dealing with so much and yeah. like, yeah. And go ahead. No, I just like, you, I, I, I have so many thoughts, but the, the main theme is we have to give people grace to yes. not be a good friend for a while, not be a good wife for a while, because you have you you know you're literally trying to maintain your sanity. Right. Like, yes. Let me be a good person to myself first, <laughs> so that I can be anything of value to you, right? And I feel like this amount of pressure, you know, it can you know your husband. I mean, Terrence comes across great in your post He's and understanding. He's so calm. He is always you know, centered. He don't lean when he's he got good posture. Yeah, he's very sensitive. You know everything, but like I can imagine being like, bro, I'm I'm trash right now. I'm a I'm a mixed like bag of emotions. Like, and then there's ways that life doesn't. You know, now you actually do physically have this baby, so you have to tend to those needs. But that doesn't make your emotions line up with what you have to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? You still feel you got a lot of you know stuff that you're still feeling, and she's oh, crying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, what, or whatever the case is, you know? And, and just even in traditional circumstances, going from not having a child to having a child is a humongous oh. change. Humongous. humongous such change. A like, you don't really feel like you know what you're doing anyway. I was telling my friend, he was, he was having a baby soon. And he was like, what do you, what it is about father? Like, what can you tell me? I was like, he was like, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And my kids are 14 and 20. I was gonna say. <laughs> 
You got almost grown kids. <laughs> I'd be like, man, I'm doing my best. You know, but when they were, mm -hmm. first son was born, it's like having a baby, I mean, holding a baby, having a cousin, none of that really prepares you for having a baby full time. That's true. You know what I mean? You and you know, like even um, uh, my, my sister has had babies. Melissa's sister had babies. I hold them and I'd be like, I don't even remember this part of my life. I'm rusty. How do you change? Why is he crying? You know what I mean? Like when you first have you, you know, you, you, you have to do something. So you kind of figure a way out. But I wouldn't say you feel like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. So I would say. Honestly, I was having a conversation. I remember us having a conversation a while ago. I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that he hasn't even had the chance to grieve mm. anything. Like he was so busy taking care of me yeah. while I was going through. Yeah. It's like how, like mentally, and I, he's very good at just kind of taking everything one, one day at a time and not letting it consume him. Right. which is a good trait. But I'm just like, how do you, how did you deal? Or how are you dealing with? Yeah, during, during the entire time, like life outside of what was happening with us did not stop. It Things kept, kept going, yeah. responsibilities were still there. Um, so it, it, doing my best to, to be here for, for my wife, to be here for, for each other, mm -hmm. as well as take care of uh, responsibilities um, outside of the home. Yeah. Uh, so I just never had a chance to really just think about what was happening and right. process what, what was entirety, in its entirety. Have you ever, or you, we can edit this out, but I'll ask and you can tell me if you feel comfortable answering. But my question is, have you ever considered or will you ever consider going through your own process of counseling, therapy, whatever, where you're able to kind of digest all of those feelings? Yes, I'm, I'm open to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, we had definitely talked about that um, pre-Grona. <laughs> Just like really diving in and, and going into couples counseling and just into him going to individual counseling. And then Rona hit and it's like, okay, Listen, well, we, we all we got. <laughs> I definitely understand. Uh, but I do think I, it's so important for all of us to have the opportunity to process those feelings. And then even actually, I mean, we're laughing about coronavirus, but that's another added layer. It is. Yeah. And so you guys are going, I mean, it's. Just one thing after another. After another, after another, after another, after another. Because the timeline is correct. Once you feel like going outside, outside closed, didn't it? Outside closed. She said January, right? Yep. Yeah. And I, had, um, I remember I got a call to start back doing Sunday best, and that was going to be like my first thing back since. Because I remember I did Sunday best last year while I was coming. So then I was like, okay, this year I'll have Raina. As soon as we started, we got shut all the way down. And I'm just yeah. like, okay. And then you're missing like the important milestones, like sharing that with friends and family. So I know that definitely took a toll on me because it's like Easter and like now her yeah. birthday's coming up and we on lockdown. I'm just like, Lord, this too. Let me, let, let me make a call. I need to FaceTime my therapist. Listen, it's <laughs> listen. so important. I just, uh, well, I've been, listen, I've been interviewing a therapist and he's about to be fired because we did not connect. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's important. 
we don't go together. So he's <laughs> to be cut off. Break up. Yeah, we got to break up, Chad. He sent me a thing. It was like, can you do an evaluation? You don't want to hear my thoughts. Just know we don't. I won't be back. You sure? Uh, okay. For real. But I think it is so important for all of us um, that we go through that process of grief, especially I think as Black women, where I too have an issue with taking pills. Even I had C-sections with the boys and Kev was literally <laughs> just talking about me the other day because they give you Percocet after you have your C-section. You can't laugh, you can't cough, you can't sneeze, you can't have a move, you can't do nothing. <laughs> and I just don't like taking medicine. So I just dealt with the pain. I just stopped taking it. I, think, this was I don't advise headache. this and just be like, I have a headache. And somebody will be like, do you want medicine? And she'll be like, no. I just don't take medicine. And Best so we chance. often uh, hear about like how strong we are. And mm -hmm. sometimes we need to let go of that strength. Mm. Allow us so, to be soft and to be comforted and to be hurt. Yes. Uh, and to feel those emotions that we so often think is the opposite of strength, but it's about vulnerability. Yes, it yeah. just allows you, you know, again yeah. to process those feelings, and we and we don't often do that. We, we no, that. I know. And for me, the type of personality I am, I'm always just—I'm a bubbly person. I love to talk. I love to interact. I, you know, I love to laugh, and and just we love talking. We love communicating yeah. right. with each other. And just in those moments, it was like I had to be vulnerable. Like yeah. I'm not feeling it today. Yeah. I want to cry. I'm going to cry. Right. Okay. And so, and he just has to take it and handle it accordingly. And yeah. like I said, he's supported me since day one. Like I've never met anyone. I always tell people I've never met anyone like Terrence. Like he's that guy where I don't want to say you're close to perfection, but it's like, <laughs> he doesn't complain. He never complained once through this process. I was complaining about every thing every little thing he never complained he was just always supported and i'm just grateful for to you for that just always being supportive through this entire process like i don't see how you dealt with me because Aww. i was a mess i was a mess i'm still a mess <laughs> but i all i've been bragging on myself saying i'm the strongest woman i know like after all of this like i'm I'm sorry, call me arrogant, but I'm I'm the strongest woman I know because so I don't see how yourself. No, how you're supposed to go through stuff like this and still come out strong on top. Like I'm I'm the strongest woman I know. Period. A second. <laughs> is concurring. Uh, I love that. I want to ask: Do you have any? advice that you would give to couples going through this journey and we don't have to give them like you know a false sense of hope because i'm sure that feels oh, of course mm -hmm. um but just any sort of encouragement words of advice words of wisdom that maybe looking back on it you wish you knew as you were going through this process i would start off by saying keep communication open with one another communicate your feelings mm -hmm. okay today i'm not feeling it Maybe I'm feeling it tomorrow or like keep everything on the table. Like, I think that's what kind of helped us a lot was that we just communicated every emotion, every feeling that we had during this process. Oh, I want to quit. Okay, quit. We're not going to do anything else. Yeah. So keep communication open. Also, if you're going through the process of like fertility treatments, research, yes. research. Don't let anyone like tell you, okay, this is what it is. Always get a second 
and third opinion. Mm-hmm. And maybe a fourth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that was really big for us, just researching and, and always getting opinions. So. And, and really understanding that, that your journey is your journey, not, not, mm-hmm. not always comparing directly to uh, every, everybody else that you see mm-hmm. that may be going through the same process. But uh, you can get inspiration from others and, and you can get knowledge from others, but ultimately know that your journey is your journey. Yes, very unique to you. That's so good. And if I could just add one more, find a mental health person. And that's the final one. Yes, yes. y'all, seriously. Don't do, <laughs> don't like let all of this stuff pile up yeah. because it, it's a train wreck just waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. Um, did you have any other final thoughts? Um, first, let me, let me say thank you to you guys yes. for even allowing us to speak on your platform about this like this is taboo in our in the african-american community yeah Yeah. um i remember when i first came out sharing my story on social media i received hundreds and hundreds of dms and inboxes of people saying they're dealing with the same thing and was just scared to share and so with you guys opening this up for the world to discuss i'm grateful for that for us to be able to share. So thank you guys. Yes, thank you um, Thank you for all the support you've given us with Raina as she was coming. We appreciate you guys sharing your love with us. Um, but yeah, and if anybody wants to, you know, talk to us, you can reach out to us. Um, we're, we're definitely here to, to listen. Yeah. And you know, if you need to vent or share your story, you need some just insight or I can share who I, you know, we went through, um, as far as clinics and who we stuck with and our doctors and all this stuff, you can find us on Instagram, the Rachel B T H E E R A C H E L B, Terrence James. Y'all. Yeah. We just wanted to, to share as much as we can. Thank you guys you. so much for coming. Thank you for Melissa for planning this and thank you guys for, yeah. for, for being honest about everything. Like, you know, I feel like that transparency, you know, there's so much freedom in feeling like you're not alone. Yeah. And yes. if I did not have to share your story, you would have been well within your right to be like, nope. And uh, when Alyssa asked, I was like, man, you, you should reach out to Rachel. Like, uh, but I didn't know if y'all would be up to it. I, I But I'm <laughs> glad y'all were, and I'm glad y'all shared yeah. everything because you could rightfully be hurt, embarrassed, and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that's really, I, I, I believe you will help some people. When we were shooting last week, I was looking in the comments live, and I didn't realize how much of our audience was going through this, been through it there or had decided it wasn't for them anymore because it's not like a, it's not a topic that comes up for conversation not at, all. at all. It's, you know, I'm almost 40 and I, this is probably my first real in-depth conversation with anyone mm-hmm. who's wow. that much, you know what I mean? So, you know, and that's, you know, I don't know if Alyssa's talking to anybody like that, but no. not in this much detail for me. When I recognize um, that one in four women will struggle with some sense, some form of infertility, I shouldn't call it infertility. It's more of like um, uh, problems, uh, issues with conceiving. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And then one in eight couples, you realize how commonplace it is. And then I also realize, but I don't know anybody who's ever experienced this. Yeah. Mm. So somebody's lying and the fact mm-hmm. that you guys aren't talking about yeah. it, you yeah. know? 
And so that revelation is what was like, okay, I need to bring a voice. I have a responsibility to bring a voice to this silent struggle, this silent pain, this silence that so many people are being affected by and no one is talking about yeah. it. So with that, thank you for, you know, allowing us to be the platform in which you feel comfortable sharing your story and your journey. And um, I held back several tears several times, but I know yet I would definitely do a trigger warning for anyone mm -hmm. watching this so that yeah. way they're prepped that um, tears will flow, okay? When yeah. I first talked to Rachel, I was like, Lord, oh, I told you. <laughs> lord have mercy this is this is quite a bit so thank you guys so much please follow them uh rachel and terrence are in atlanta georgia in the atlanta yes. georgia area and so if you are in this area she said she is willing to um or in that area she's willing to share any of those resources which i think is really important mm -hmm. and yes, you got yourself a black ob like yes Black doctors matter. Okay. They do. They matter. Thank you. And it is so important for us to get doctors that look like the like us who can empathize with us and mm -hmm. say, I don't need you to be strong for me. Okay. Yes. Wow. I, I don't need you to have the strong black woman complex with me. You can be gentle. Yes. You can be soft. You can be hurting. You can be in pain. Mm -hmm. I'm be here vulnerable. Yes, you can be vulnerable. Yeah. So thank you and Rachel and Terrence for coming on today. We really greatly appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you to the audience who um, are so motivated by these conversations. And I hope that you share your comments in the story and feel free to actually share your story as well. Know that you are not alone. And in sharing your story, you can also encourage someone else. So please, if you feel comfortable and so led, share your story in the comments. That's it. We will continue this uh, series throughout the month of July. So we have a few more. I think next week we have an actual gynecologist come on. So she'll dive into a little bit more detail of what we've talked about today. And that's it for now. Until the next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>